Hey there, Browns fans. It is 7 o'clock. It is Wednesday. That means it's time for OBR Weekly. I'm Barry McBride, publisher and web dork of the OBR. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Fred Greetham, the legend, beat writer for the OBR. How you doing, Fred? Doing pretty good tonight, midwinter, on the dawn of February. Glad to see <laughs> January go. Had to be the longest January I can ever remember. Really? Really? It, it sounds like the bleak midwinter, uh, you know, that you're talking about there. Very, very grim. Is that because of the loss to the Houston Texans, Fred? Or uh, just uh, gray skies in Cleveland got you down? Well, it doesn't have me down. I'm just saying, just seem like it's been a long month. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it has I always been. Like to get, I always like to get past January and you start feeling like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel with the spring coming. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, we're heading into February and hopefully, hopefully February will be good. Uh, time of the year that we can start talking about the draft, start talking about free agency. Free agency is coming in like five, six weeks and then you got the draft coming after that. And speaking of the draft, uh, we're hoping that Pete Smith is able to uh, connect to the show from Mobile, Alabama. He's down there watching the Senior Bowl. Uh, so we may talk draft a little bit if he's able to make it. Uh, if not, it'll just be the same old show with me and Fred uh, talking about uh, Cleveland Browns and the news of the week, as well as a, a couple of... Uh, uh articles that fred put together this week that i want to discuss with him uh as always my friends uh this show brought to you by core home fitness as well as our buddy scott fillinger and his work with marketing and branding and we will talk about both of those uh here in a little bit but uh first uh this show as always is driven by your comments and questions we've already got a few lined up here please feel free to uh Fire off any comments and questions that you have, and we will react to them uh, through the course of the show. So, uh, first of all, I've got a couple of things I want to talk about, Fred, per usual. Um, first thing, obviously, is that we need to say hello to our new Cleveland Browns offensive coordinator, uh, Ken Dorsey. Uh, that's the same Ken Dorsey that you and I talked about somewhat uh, unenthusiastically, I have to admit, last week on this program, Fred. Um, I've had a couple of days to grow accustomed to the notion of Ken, join, Ken Dorsey joining the Browns. Uh, you have as well, Fred. Uh, are you coming around to thinking that uh, the addition of uh, Ken Dorsey makes sense for this team, Fred? Well, I didn't follow him a whole lot after he left the Browns as a player. Mm. Um, didn't really know a lot of his coaching. I mean, just like anything, you wonder why in the world does the guy get fired in the middle of the year and the team seems to go on a run. So that kind of is the obvious, uh, you know, why would you want, you know, this guy? But, you know, I do like the fact that he worked with Cam Newton and Cam Newton talked him up and, and uh, you know, and so even though he wasn't a skill set, a mobile quarterback type of a player. Um, it sounds like he knows what to do or how to work with guys like Deshaun Watson and, and get the most out of them. And that's, that's a good thing. It remains to be seen if he will. I'm, I, I thought Alex Van Pelt was great. He was a nice guy, but, you know, after four years, I don't know what more he was adding. I wasn't seeing really any new wrinkles or anything different. And he'd been here two years with Deshaun Watson, and we saw what we saw as far as scheme. So I think <clears throat> maybe just a fresh take, a new thought, hey, what about this? Coming from a different angle is a good thing, even if, even if it's nothing more than a reboot and Watson thinks it's a reboot and you're kind of like getting a fresh start with a new look, that makes most sense to me. So we don't know who's calling the plays. I assume Stefanski is. So <clears throat> like we talked about last week, you're bringing somebody in 
to work within the framework that you already have set up. Not like a defensive coordinator, like Jim Schwartz. You come in and you do whatever you want to do, and you bring in whoever you want to bring in. Here, the offensive coordinator is kind of just a position coach. We don't know if he's going to be the quarterback coach and the coordinator or what his title will be, but <clears throat> it remains to be seen, but I don't see a lot of downside with it. This is still Kevin Stefanski's offense. He, His fingerprints are all over it, and so he's running it, and he's just getting input. I like that he's willing to make some changes, you know, with the running back coach and the tight end coach and, and even, you know, at the quarterback, when you look at, you know, the three positions that you would say there was a lot of excuses. You had Nick Chubb out. So how can you blame Stump Mitchell? You had um, David Njoku had the best year of his career. So how do you blame the tight ends coach? And you had five different quarterbacks, so how do you blame Van Pelt? So, you know, I think that it just shows that he's looking at the bigger picture, that is Stefanski, and, you know, wants to, wants to you know, get that side of the ball up to speed because they finished any way you look at it, you know, like in the middle of the pack, you know, offensively, especially passing. You wanted to have a great passing game. And, you know, you were 19th, barely over 200 yards a game. Uh, even without Deshaun Watson, they felt like, look, it was it was clicking under Joe Flacco. Let's figure out how to get the same thing with Deshaun Watson. He's got everything that Flacco has, minus 10 years, my, mm. and, and a much more mobile quarterback. Right. Um you know, not only Dorsey, I would say, is going to have some input into this offense and, you know, some new ideas. But uh, they also got the offensive coordinator from Alabama, right, Rees. He's coming in to teach tight ends. And scuttlebutt we're hearing is that he's going to have some input uh, into the offense as well. So some new voices. As Manimal says in the chat, you can't say the same. You will be left left behind. I agree with that completely, you know, in business or in football. You got to be constantly changing, constantly adapting, or you know you're gonna you're gonna atrophy, right? And uh, uh, you know in the NFL, the ever competitive NFL, just not a good thing. Now, when it comes to play calling, Fred, um, <clears throat> you know this is like a big deal in Cleveland. You know who's doing the play calling? Is it Stefanski or you know did Dorsey? Did he have to agree to hand it over to Dorsey to get him to? Uh, uh, to join, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Do you think it's that big a deal, Fred, who does the play calling, or do you think that that's kind of overrated? I think it is overrated in this scenario. Like I said, Jim Schwartz calls and he runs the other side. There's no question. And mm -hmm. I think it's almost the same thing with Bubba Ventrone. But Kevin Stefanski, they are, you know, Alex Van Pelt, all of the offensive coaches were all talking all week. And that's why, you know, it was, you know, in the COVID year when Stefanski had COVID and didn't go to the playoff game and the Browns scored 48 points or whatever they did. And Alex Van Pelt, it, it really wasn't that much different than what Stefanski it's it. They're, they're all on the same page. And that's what I said they might all be on the same page on the, on the game. You know, they're all talking, but Stefanski said, all right, three thirty-nine or whatever he calls the play, but right. they're all involved in the, in the deal. It's they're they're all on a collaborative deal. And so I think that will be the same thing. And, you know, if somebody, if something works more and more, the person, you know, they get more input, but it remains to be seen. But I believe, I don't know how heavily Dorsey was sought. I, I doubt if he pounded the table to be the play caller. Um, mm, maybe he did. Yeah. I don't know, but I just think, you know, he's trying to regroup and resurrect his career. When you get fired in the middle of the season, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, out there because you know everybody gets fired after the season you know and you kind of forgot 
guys that got fired. But when it's in the middle of the season, it's kind of blatant, you know, and you're kind of embarrassed and all that until you get your next job. So I think, you know, that's what he's doing is trying to rebuild and probably take whatever was offered to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would hazard uh, to guess that you're, you're absolutely correct on that. Um, so Ken Dorsey joining uh, going to be interesting. Um, we should hear a little bit more next week. The team hasn't done an official announcement yet. Again, the scuttlebutt we're hearing the coaches come in this next week. There's going to be some clarification on roles. There's going to be some more things getting straight straightened out there. Uh, I don't think anybody is beyond the OBR has reported on that, but that's what we understand is is happening. Uh, one thing that people did report on last week, which means I think probably next to nothing, is that Deshaun Watson went on his podcast uh, with his, uh, I think his coach, uh, coach or his agent, or I, I didn't watch the podcast personally, but uh, uh, I did get a clip of it. Uh, and uh, he talked about uh, how much he'd like to see T. Higgins of the uh, – uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals joined the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and so he went out and advocated for that, and that got a lot of people excited. Um, Fred, how much sense do you think that that makes uh, from the, the Cleveland Browns standpoint? And do you think that that's even close to reality that T. Higgins would actually see free agency? Well, I know the Bengals, you know, have – they have Jamar Chase, and there's been long talk that they couldn't keep them all. Um, I'd be very surprised if they spent a lot of money to keep Higgins. Um, it seems to me that they would probably go into the draft. But then again, you know, they have made some moves, you know, especially with the Joe Burrow and, and paying him what they did. And so I just think that, you know, it's going to be February 1st tomorrow. The free agency's over a month away. I have a story on Friday about wide receivers, and I mentioned some – I just did, did some glancing today at one of the sites, and they have Higgins as the fourth best free agent available, the number one wide receiver. And so that means he's going to get a big amount of money, probably more so than – what the going rate is in free agency. It turns into a bidding war. There was six or seven that I mentioned and, or I saw in there that kind of intrigued me, you know, the guy like Mike Evans and yeah. uh, Michael Pittman and um, Darnell Mooney. Then you get down a little bit, Gabriel Davis, but there are six, seven of them, you know, that are pretty good that I think the Browns could use. And I would like the Browns to fortify that position and not just go into it with Elijah Moore. And you can read the article and see more detail. But um, with that being said, most of these things never come to fruition. Something always happens. They get re-signed. They get franchise tagged. Um, and you can talk. It's fun to make lists and talk about it. But reality is very rarely do they get to free agency. And what we've seen with Andrew Barry is every year he's pretty much targeted, very selective, two or three guys, and went hard at them. Mm -hmm. And if it got into a bidding war, they backed out. I mean, last year I think Hargreaves was the guy that they went with hard. <clears throat> they ended up falling back on Dalvin Tomlinson which wasn't mm -hmm. a bad move, but right. I don't know. I don't, it just seems like wide receiver happens to be the position in free agency that goes, breaks the bank, you know, like was it a couple of years ago, Godwin or Gage or somebody, you know, or Christian Kirk, these guys got outlandish amounts of money. Mm -hmm. So what has been his MO and even before with John Dorsey he traded for Jarvis Landry. Dorsey did. And then, um, of course, Andrew Berry traded for Amari Cooper. And then last year traded for Elijah Moore. 
they have they know much more in depth than we do. Guys that are maybe in the final year of a contract that the team doesn't want to just lose. And so they're trying to dump the salary. And and that's a guy that you can go get. Like Amari Cooper. Okay, I get it. He's 20 million a year, but my goodness, right. for a fifth round pick. And especially when you restructure and do the way you do things, I would, you got to be going through it with a fine tooth comb and finding a guy like that. Mm-hmm. Now they, they felt Elijah Moore was that guy last year and he had his best year, but you know, I would, I would like a guy at least right there, a number three guy or even a guy better than Elijah Moore. So you have, like a, a bonafide passing attack going into next year and not hoping Cedric Tillman, you know, takes a major leap or David right. Bell. So that that's the way I see it. I just feel like, yeah, I think T Higgins would be a tremendous move. Those are kind of moves that the Browns did earlier. Remember when they went and got Kevin Zeitler from the Bengals and, then, then they got a tackle a few years before from the Bengals. You're hurting a division rival and helping yourself. And if you could get Higgins out of Cincinnati, obviously that helps you, but it makes your team that much better. But, you know, I've seen Higgins posting stuff about, you know, going to the Ravens and now recently about going to the, the Browns. So he's just trying to get his – market up, you know, and try, you know, if the Bengals come back and say, here's a boatload of cash, all of a sudden he'll put the Bengal hat back on and be going, you know, all excited. So it's a little early on all this stuff, but I do think that free agency is always at this time with the Browns, they're much more in the market of win now. And I think not having a first round pick again, their focus will be on the trade or free agent aspect of things to acquire guys. And I would, I would think T Higgins would be a home run, but unfortunately I think he's the best wide receiver because he's young. You know, Mike Evans is really good, but he's now, you know, getting a little older. And so it just depends on how much you're going to have to fork over to get him. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, keep in mind, he's also had a pretty good quarterback throwing him the football over these last couple of years, always helps wide receivers look better. Um, I want to say, too, uh, Pat Shea and E. Gillen, thank you very much over on Twitch for all the gifted subs. I think 10 gifted subs apiece. That is awesome. Thank you guys for the support. It's really appreciated. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to bring on Pete Smith here in just a second. First, I want to talk about uh, our friends at Core Home Fitness. Uh, as you know, Core Home Fitness has stepped up to uh, sponsor OBR Weekly, as well as some other programs here uh, on the OBR streaming network. Uh, I'm committed personally to making this the year of the web dork. You all know that if you've watched the program. Uh, I'm going to try to get myself back in shape with uh, the help of the folks at callerhomefitness.com. You can check out their assortment of equipment, including the top-ranked adjustable dumbbells on the market. Uh, That's not just my take. That is the take of Consumers Reports which has them as a Best Buy. They're taking the New York Times as well as Men's Health. Uh, check out their videos. Their other products like the Glute Drive Plus, um, they are just, they've got it together. They've got a U.S.-based support team, fast shipping, hassle-free returns. They know what they're doing. Um, if I can do it, you can do it. Core Home Fitness. Check them out, corehomefitness.com. Again, official sponsor of the OBR Thank you very much for supporting the program. Great products. If you're in the mind to get yourself in shape, certainly check them out. One question that uh, we got here from uh, Broken Arrow is uh, what staff are in Mobile, Al- Mobile, Alabama? And I think he's probably asking about Cleveland Browns staff. But uh, when it comes to the OBR staff, uh, it is uh, Mr. Pete Smith who is down there in uh, Mobile. Welcome to the the program, Pete. Good to have you on board. I'm here for the year of Beefy McBride. (laughs) Very good. Uh, I think think everyone is, Pete. I think everyone is. Um, 
Well, welcome to the show. Uh, I guess uh, let's let's ask uh, Broken Arrow's first question. Have you noticed, uh, I know Andrew Berry's down there. Have you noticed a lot of uh, Cleveland Browns scouts, obviously, down there, coaches? Is there a sizable Browns contingent down there in Mobile that you've seen? They're here, but one of the changes I, I think – Potentially for the worse, the Senior Bowl has segregated uh, the way they've done it. Like if you've ever been here in years past, like one of the things that sort of made it this very uh, fun and engaging feel was the fact that you could end up sitting in the stands and you'd be a head coach 20 feet from you watching the practice. Um, Mm. And what they've done now is half of the stadium is reserved for staff and coaches and all that and then the other half is sort of cordoned off for media and stuff so i know they're here uh i know they're watching as is everybody uh, but it's not like the it, it's a little bit different like you know mobile is not a huge place so it's one of those where if you go to a restaurant or uh you know you, you whatever you may run into any number of nfl people as long as you know who you're looking for so it's it's interesting mm. that i mean a couple of years ago i ended up going to uh, a, a barbecue place and John Dorsey showed up. So uh, it's, it's definitely a, a interesting environment. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons that uh, the OVR has traditionally gone down there because it's uh, it's been a place where you can actually, you know, as opposed to the combine where there's a, you know, very structured environment down at the senior bowl, it's been a situation where you can actually sometimes, talk to these guys in a more informal environment, but it sounds like it's getting a little bit more structured over time as the event gets bigger and bigger uh, and, and more organized down there in Mobile. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I'm sure some of this is, is with everything is uh, you know, the pandemic in some respects uh, and it just becomes easy to do it that way. Um, and the fact that they've changed venues, it used to be in Lad People stadium famously, and now it's in, in South Alabama's, very nice uh, facility, their stadium there. But, you know, the trade-off is you do a little – you lose a little bit of that uh, sort of shoulder-to-shoulder mentality where you feel like you are really in the NFL uh, in that respect, which is – you know, it, it does lose a little some sort of mystique. Uh, but it's still – you know, it's a fun event. Yeah, I would think so. Now, um, since you're down there, um, there's obviously some positions that the Cleveland Browns – we'll be looking at, uh, in particular, one would think. Uh, they have uh, pick number, was it 54, is our first pick, I believe. Um, and I would think that wide receiver would be of particular interest to them. Uh, have you had a chance to take a look at some of the wide receivers who are down there, and has, has anyone stood out to you uh, so far, Pete? Yeah, I think the kid that, that that jumps out as a guy that fits what I think the Browns are looking for is Devontae Walker from North Carolina. Uh, some people may know him from when he was at Kent, uh, and he's he's just a guy who will take the top off a of defense. He's a guy who will he runs by DBs. They do they uh, you know they use tracking technology by Zebra here. Uh, they had him at twenty one point three six miles per hour. He was the fastest guy and. And you see him running down the field and, and catching passes. Um, now he's had some drops and he's very lean. Uh, but you know, for a team that I, I think obviously the look, the Browns are always on the look for more speed in general. And I think with Deshaun Watson, they want to get more guys that can stretch the field. So he he jumps out at you in that regard. There are you know the there are other players here that I think could be of interest. You know, George's lad McConkey is certainly you know, if you've watched the coverage is really showed off in his ability to beat uh, these one-on-one drills. He's more of a slot guy. You know, they may feel good about that with a guy like Elijah Moore. Maybe they want more of that and want to put Elijah Moore on the outside. I think I'd lump uh, the kid from Michigan in that uh, in that realm as well. Uh, but, yeah, Devontae Walker is the guy that jumps out, at, jumps out in terms of, like, the guy that screams. This is This is something I think the Browns are looking for and could be in the mix around that that second round pick potentially now are there uh you know each year um the player groupings you know at at each position uh tend to go back and forth in terms of how deep they are or how skilled they are is there any particular position 
that looks like it's just loaded this year with uh, with talent where you might be able to go in the third or fourth round uh, and uh, and just grab a guy who uh, uh, has exceptional talent. Yeah, I think offensive tackle is the big one, and, and that is a position I think the Browns have to look at uh, this this coming offseason. There's a lot of reasons why. Uh, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people concerned about Jack Conklin's health. Jedrick Wills, whether he's going to be here or not, is one year left on his deal. Dewan Jones looks very good, but it's a position where you're sort of going, are, are, we, are we sure we're okay there? And there are a lot of talented prospects. There are a number of kids that could end up going in the first round from this year's group. But I do think there are some guys that stand out as possibilities. Uh, one guy that I like that I that I spoke had a chance to speak to today, and I'm looking forward to watching his tape, is sort of a, in that mid-round mix is a guy named Delmar Glaze from Maryland. Uh, one, you can't lose with that name. I mean, that's fantastic right off the bat. But the other thing is – He's in that he's in that age range. He he's in that he's 21. Uh, you know, that's traditionally where the Browns like to get those guys and and I think they are a team that you know maybe they want a guy who can step in and start from day 1, but they may be in a situation where they you know, they may be to a point now where we're not talking about well we've got to get we've got to use these first three picks to get guys who have to start right now. They mean they they may want a guy where they can sort of you know, develop for a year and get him ready to go. And I think Delmar Glaze has a chance to be one of those guys. Guard is in a similar mold uh, where, again, I think forward thinking, you're sort of looking at this. Yes, Obatonio is phenomenal, should end up in the Hall of Fame. Wyatt Teller, very good player. But you sort of look at it, and and yes, uh, they've, they've had some decent depth there. Uh, but do they have enough depth? Do they have guys they feel like they're, they're comfortable with for the long haul? Um, a couple guys that jump out to me, Javion Cohen, who's a former Alabama guard who transferred to Miami for his last year. He wanted to play Mar for Mario Cristobal, who's a big offensive line guy. He's very intriguing to me as a guy that you can develop for a year or two and then plug him in there. Um, Bo Linner is actually here as a center, but I talked to him and he says he prefers guard. And if you've watched him, he had a couple of really nice reps against uh, Tavondre Sweat, that gigantic three, 300 and 60 some pound defensive tackle who didn't even weigh in because for whatever reason, uh, just a giant human being. And he did some good stuff. So the offensive line is, is a really strong group in general. Uh, and I think that's certainly something the Browns have to keep in mind. I think, you know, we, they are in a sense where we want them to be. They are thinking about what's coming in 2025, 2024, 2025. They're not thinking about, we've got to have starters for this year. Well, this is what um, good teams do. The Browns are now getting to that. The guys like Siaka Ika and Elijah Maguire in the past had to start because you didn't have bodies, and they can afford to let them set. It doesn't mean they were busts, and they can learn the game. And then you're, you know, and so that's where I think the value is here looking down the road and being able to use your draft to develop guys that can step in where the Browns are in a win now and not having a first round pick, the, the challenge is, is where they pick. Can they get a wide receiver or somebody that can hit the ground running? You know, we, we all know it seems like the receivers seem to take a little more time before they, unless they're a blue chip right at the top of the draft. And so, that's where I think a trade or free agency might be the route for those immediate needs. Right. That, that, you know, that, that, that makes, that makes sense. You know, a question that I have though. Um, well, well, first the point I want to make is you're talking about the interior offensive line, you know, Pete, I'm thinking back to what Jack Duffin has been writing on the site about the need to prepare for 2025 because of the, turnover that we may have in the interior offensive line by 2025. And I would just ask anyone watching this program to make sure that they keep an eye on what Jack is putting together as they're reading your reports from Mobile and, and our continuing draft coverage, because it all really plugs together in terms of what this team's strategy needs to be uh, as they look forward to 2025, 2026, and, and down the road, uh, particularly with their draft position. But a question for you, Pete, uh, as, as well as, as, as you, Fred, if, if you want to jump in as well. You're talking about getting receivers who take the top off 
the defense, right? A, a burner, you know, that this team obviously needs. We've been down that road a couple of times, right? We were down that road with Schwartz, you know, and obviously we all know how that, that turned out. Um, how do we find those guys who have more than that, just that pure speed, right? Who can catch the ball, who can get open, you know, defenses are very good at neutralizing those guys, even if they have that pure speed or if they can't hold on to the ball, you know, it doesn't make any difference at all. Goodwin didn't make a difference for us. What do you think that the scouts are looking for in a guy like that beyond just pure speed, Pete? Well, I think it, it, the speed is certainly valuable, but it's not the skill set that wins down the field. I mean, you, you, there, that is a talent. Being able to track the ball, being able to go up and get it like that is a skill. Amari Cooper is not what you would traditionally call a burner, even though he is a 4-4 guy. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's fast. But he's not the guy who's going to go win on the track. But what he wins with is his ability to create separation. It's his strength. It's his ability mm-hmm. to – create the space for him to catch the ball. So I, I, I would avoid getting caught in that trap. So one guy uh, that I would mention that's in that realm who I, who I don't think is necessarily going to run, you know, the four, three and all that stuff is a guy named Ricky Pearsall from Florida who runs really good routes. Uh, he's been really effective at just being able to create that separation and then being able to, to free his arms up to go and make those plays and high point the football and, and protect it in a way that, that allows you to do that. Because as I mentioned earlier, Devontae Walker, very talented young man has had his share of drops and is going to get knocked for that. So if that's a, if that's something that scares uh, the Brown, the Browns or other teams away, that may be a consideration. So ultimately, you know, and the other part of this, I don't want to go into this, this draft going, well, they have to draft a speed bit guy because I ultimately think Fred is right. One, Andrew Barry's whole mantra is, we want to address our needs in free agency. We want to trade to cover our needs. We want to draft talent so they can then go and get the receiver they just happen to like. I mean, Cedric Tillman's a good example. Certainly, Cedric Tillman has a, a useful skill set that fits what the Browns want to be. I think the Browns like being big and physical, but they didn't feel like they had to draft a Cedric Tillman because he did one particular thing, super, you know, one particular thing that sort of addressed a need that they had identified. They, you know, to your point, they tried with Marquise Goodwin, and obviously that was greatest signing in the world for reasons that weren't necessarily all just a talent issue. But right, that's the type of stuff that I think Andrew Barry is going to deal with before we even get to April and May and talking about uh, the draft. I, I think they want to put themselves in a position where they can just get talent. All right, fair enough. We have a question from uh, YouTube. Larry wants to know what the cornerbacks look like. Uh, interesting question. Uh, any Martin Emerson's out there? You see any Martin Emerson's, Pete? The the one kid who's an absolute stud is is Quinion Mitchell, the kid out of uh, Toledo. He, you know, he dominated the MAC, and and obviously the question then becomes, okay, it's the MAC. What is he going to look like when he goes against the big boys? He's sensational. He's been great, and uh, he he's cocky, and you love the confidence that you play with when you can back it up, and and he's fun in that regard, and. He, he battled with uh, the receiver from Michigan over and over. And at, at the end of practice, uh, their, their particular practice, they did sort of a best on best thing where they, they, you know, they let Quinion Mitchell, who they felt was the best corner. And I, I would agree is the best corner here. And he got to pick out a guy he went up against and he went against, he went against the kid from Michigan. And uh, you know, the, that time the, the receiver from Michigan beat him, but in just in general, uh, just a, a very strong uh, player. Uh, I think he's going to end up on the door of the first round. If you're talking about overall corner, it's tough to evaluate just simply because unless we get into a situation, and I don't think we will, where the Browns are just shoving Greg Newsom out the door, uh, you know, that, right. then I don't think that's going to be a high priority. It's going to be somebody that that's going to be a later round or more likely uh, somebody who falls out of the draft entirely. And if you're looking for a guy like that, the one guy that sort of jumps out to me is sort of a, a late round competitor type is, is Jar, uh, Jarvis Brownlee, I believe out of Louisville, uh, older than the Browns typically draft, but day three, it may not matter. They've got a bunch of seven round, seventh round picks uh, and, or potentially after the draft uh, several years ago, the Browns got AJ green who participated in the senior bowl mm-hmm. after the draft. 
Uh, it could be like that. And, and he's sort of, I, I, he's not nearly as big and obviously not quite as good as, as, uh, as Martin Emerson, who was good enough to go in the third round and arguably perhaps should have gone even higher, but he's sort of that feisty mindset, uh, you know, physical, tough, uh, corner that I could see landing on a team as a late round guy. And he just sort of hangs around and, and, and play, you know, find, finds a role, uh, in that regard, in the same way that, that, that the Browns did with AJ Brown or AJ Green, the third. Right. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. Well, certainly appreciate you coming up from, uh, or, uh, you joining us from, uh, from Alabama and, uh, for your going down there and your efforts down there, Pete, uh, Really appreciate it as we really start getting into draft coverage. Uh, we are going to try to send a bunch of people down to the Combine this year. We're going to get back to our daily mock drafts. We've got Jack doing his thing. We've got Jake who's going to be looking at film. Uh, you're just going to be covered front to back on the draft uh, with the Orange and Brown Report this year and Pete leading it off down in Mobile. Uh, just one last question for you, Pete. Any uh, – the traditional question of uh, sleepers. Is there anybody out there that, uh, that that's really caught your eye that uh, isn't a first, first or second round guy that you think that we ought to file away in our memory banks uh, before you go? Um, sure. Well, one kid who's had a really good week this week is Rashan, Rasheen Ali from Marshall. Um, he's a Shaker Heights grad, uh, had a lot of success at Shaker, uh, before going to Marshall, missed last year with an injury. Uh, it was really strong for them. He, he's been sensational down here. Oh, I think again, I think it's, it's, I think it's more likely that uh, he's a, be a consideration after the draft. But he's definitely somebody I think who's helped himself down here and, and is going to send teams back to go look at him some more. All right. Very good. File that name away in the memory banks. Thank you very much, Pete. Appreciate it. We will catch you later. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, well, what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk about one of our favorite guys uh, who uh, sponsors the program. Uh, it is uh, Mr. Scott Fillinger, a name that you should remember if you are a businessman, a small businessman like me, or if you're in a larger business in operations or human relations or marketing, and you want to impress your clients, uh, you want to impress your customers, uh, he creates incredible merchandise that you can provide to your clients uh, so that they have positive feelings about you and your business. It's just a great investment. Uh he provides, obviously, the gear that Fred and I wear uh, here on air. Uh, and if he can make us look presentable, he can obviously work miracles. Uh, he's a, a good guy, an OBR a supporter, as you know, a hardcore Browns fan. You know he's going to be a good guy to work with. Uh, OG Phillies are dude. Uh, if you check the Newswire every day, I've got a link to a special page that uh, we've made for him with uh, all of his contact information. So check out the Newswire every day. Uh, it's got Philly's number, his email address, all the information to get in touch with him uh, so that he can provide you with the type of gear he's provided us, uh, as well as uh, the custom print displays, signage, e-commerce sites, uh, uh, soup to nuts. Uh, he does it all. So talk to Scott, sponsor of the program, official OBR sponsor. Thank you, Scott, for stepping up and uh uh definitely get in contact with him and check out gosync.com for all your marketing needs fred um let's talk a little bit about a couple of articles that uh, uh you put together for us as well as some of the questions that uh we've gotten here in the chat uh over the course of the show uh first to talk about an article you put together for about quarterbacks Last week, you recapped the team's adventures at the position, uh, including, of course, the potential that uh, 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 Joe Flacco may return. Uh, I'm going to throw another name at you just to see your reaction. He's a free agent this year. He's an ex-pro bowler. He's also a Baltimore Raven. Tyler Huntley. What do you think of that name 
as a potential backup for Deshaun Watson? Well, I, I think that I think he would be an upgrade on what they have, you know, currently. I think he can play right now ahead of Dorian Thompson Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only other quarterback under contract. Uh, I I think they've proven, and I think Andrew Barry learned the lesson that a lot of us said that you got to have an experienced quarterback that you can win with. Um, I know the Ravens faced that the previous two years when Jackson went down, Huntley went in, he played well, but they didn't win. So, right. you know, it seems from this side of things that he would fit more of the skill set. And now he's been around enough to have the experience, but it's going to come down to how much money, you know, they're not going to allocate big bucks for a backup quarterback. I don't think, right. I mean, and he might get offered, you know, a, a starting job somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it comes down to. Same way, I'd like Flacco back. Obviously, you know what he can do, and he can win, and and they can win in this offense. You don't have to have a quarterback with the same skill set. They prove that. Um, but, again, with him, it's going to come down to his opportunity. I think, you know, in fairness to him, I would do the same thing, see how things shake out. And maybe some team would say, hey, you know, we want you to come in and be the starter until this kid we drafted is ready. If he's not, if the if the team doesn't draft a guy first or second, you know, if they draft somebody right. in the later first round or in the second round or something like that. So there's a lot, a lot to be determined, but sure, I think Huntley would be kind of like ideal for what the Browns want to do because he's similar skill set. And I think he would be an upgrade over Josh Dobbs and, uh, you know, and he's more ready to play right now than DTR. Right. Yeah. I just think he's intriguing because, uh, you know, he would uh, weaken a competitor, you know, weaken a rival and uh, he has a, uh, Similar playing style. Obviously, he fit in under Jackson. He probably fit well under under Watson. Just uh, just a uh, prospect that intrigued me. Uh, but you also wrote about running backs uh, in today's article. Um, we've got running backs under contract. Jerome Ford and Pierre Strong are under contract. But uh, the elephant in the room, as Andrew Berry put it, is when and how Nick Chubb will come back from having two knee surgeries following his devastating injury. If you're the Browns, how do you play this? Um, You know, do you chase another bell cow back or do you pin your hopes on either Chubb coming back or the Ford strong tandem filling in in case Chubb doesn't come back as the Chubb we know and love? Well, I think the easy part's the contract. You know, he's got a $15 million contract and they had to address that regardless um it's not guaranteed but i think they'll do as several have said similar to what they did with jack conklin when he had his injury they will restructure it to free up space but give him some guaranteed money up front and sign him to a shorter term extension you know the the question is are you getting the 6.1 yard per carry nick chubb that's what he was averaging. He had 170 yards in five quarters, 6.1 yards a carry this year before he got hurt. And he still finished the season as the fourth best rusher on the team, despite only playing a quarter or a game in a quarter. So I think they're going to do what's right by him financially, but how do you plan going in? I just don't know. I mean, last year you kind of had it to some degree with Taki Taki or Anthony Walker. You didn't know if they were going to be able to come back or Jakeem Grant, you know, obviously before he got hurt again. <clears throat> so you're just going to have to listen to the doctors and see what the rehab is going. Mm-hmm. But there's no question in my mind with his work ethic, he'll make it back onto the field. But will he be a, I think his career average is over five yards a carry. Will it be a five yard a carry back 
or a 3.0, you know, and that's the difference, all the difference in the world. They had spaced out his workload. I think, you know, a lot of people, including myself, were a little discouraged that they always only held him to like 15 carries a game or something. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you see Derrick Henry getting about 40 times and, but it was paying off for the longevity, but now this major injury, you just really don't know. And so you got to make plans going into it. So I think that you got, you feel pretty good about Jerome Ford. I don't know how they ultimately feel about Pierre strong, but I think they definitely would bring in, they do have John Kelly still under contract, those three, but I do think they would bring in somebody else, but more likely they haven't really went into the free agency and running back. We know running backs haven't, haven't, uh, and a lot of them been upset because they're not getting the big contracts. Like the Colts went out and, you know, after Taylor was upset, they finally signed him to a big one. So is a guy like Zach Moss, you know, gonna, he's going to be available. Um, but you don't want to alienate Nick Chubb either. So right. they got, they got decisions and it's kind of like, it's in a similar way when I ask Andrew Barry in Baker Mayfield's, Last year was a different situation, but are you willing to go and do, you know, explore any option to see if you can find a better quarterback without upsetting the one you have? Well, he, he did, but he upset the one he had um, and obviously had to trade him, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's, that's why I wrote about it. All eyes are on Nick Chubb. Everybody wants him back. And he's going to be, everybody's going to be excited to see him back. But if he can't do what he, what Nick Chubb does, then that doesn't help anybody. So I think they may draft a running back, you know, in the third, fourth, fifth round. I would think more like the lower. He's drafted Jerome or Jedrick Felton. Mm. Did I say that right? I can't remember. Demetric, Demetric Felton. And then he drafted Jerome Ford and they were like fifth round. So I, that seems to be in vogue in the draft. They right. look for guys down the road. I've been on record saying now John Dorsey drafted Nick Chubb and you have Nick Chubb and he's great, but I'm not so sure that the Andrew Barry regime will ever draft a, a running back in the first or second round. And they seem to me more like, like in the committee of the Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, Pierre Strong, and I don't see them going big into free agency. They might take a guy, you know, kind of a second tier or third tier wave of free agency that didn't get the big money, then go back and and pick over them. But it's going to be a major decision because – if you allocate big money to another running back, you're kind of saying, well, you know, we're moving on from Nick Chubb, you know, and right. that's not going to go over well. It's going to be kind of like cutting Bernie Kosar. <laughs> right. Right. And, well, in this sound, um, hmm. yeah, difficult decision for the brain trust. The other thing we found out this week is that Kareem Hunt had surgery um, and was playing through, uh, playing through injury last year this does that change your perspective on the season that Kareem Hunt had? Well, no. Um, I mean, he averaged three point yards a carry. He was he turned into being the short yard back. I realize um, every week he didn't practice on Wednesday, and they listed him with a groin injury. So, I mean, there's no question he gutted it out. There was a reason last year the Browns didn't re-sign him. And it wasn't like teams were all over him. Nobody mm-hmm. signed him, and that's why he was available, you know, when Nick Chubb went down. He had, you know, nine touchdowns rushing. He scored the only two touchdowns in the playoff game. But when you look at his number, his longest run of the season was 16 yards. I I don't know what, you know, it's hard for me to say he lost it, but you know, I, I just don't think he's going to be in big demand anyway, you know, that he goes about. Um, I'm doing an event with him in April, 
he's the guest. So it'll be interesting, you know, and spending time with him. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he gave, he gave Cleveland everything they had. And I think if they wanted to, if they weren't sure about Chubb, that could be an option available to them. Um, I don't know if he's going to get a type of contract that he wants, especially when, you know, his production was down everything but touchdowns. I know that's important, but he was right. in that role. So, yeah, I don't know. Most running backs at 28, 29, that's where they get to the, the age. Look at Derrick Henry. They're ready to move on from him, you know, yeah. in Tennessee. And a year or two ago, he was the toast of the NFL. Right, right. Um, let's see here. We got a couple questions from the chat that I want to go through. Uh, this one from Fumble 13. He asks, what are the dates for the combine in Indy? Uh, the combine is the tail end of February, right, Fred? I think the starts on like the 27th of February. Depends on what you count, you know, as the combine, they have measuring them in underwear and stuff, but it's generally the first week of March. I mean, it might start you know, the 28th, 29th, but that first week in March. Right. And uh, we put in for credentials down there. We have to wait for them to go through their machinations while they give us credentials. And then we'll see how many people we can send down there to uh, torment everyone in Indianapolis. We love it that it's down in Indianapolis. Very convenient for us. Um, This question from Red Leader 74 he wants to know, how do you guys feel about the Browns obtaining Watson, then having to revamp our offense to get him right? Says he's feeling same old Browns himself. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about all the the work that the Browns have had to go through to get things, the environment, right for Deshaun Watson, Fred? Um, you know, arguably, things seem to come together before he got hurt last year, but uh, it's been quite a road uh, to get, you know, everything set up for Deshaun Watson to succeed in Cleveland. Well, as we see in the playoffs, it's the most important position. That's why the Browns were willing to do what they did. That's why he's the highest paid guy on the team. And they gave up all the capital they did. Um, I'm not as down on him as a lot of people are. The biggest thing I agree with Andrew Barry He's got to be on the field more, and he's got to figure out. Lamar Jackson this year, the the only thing about him was he kept getting hurt, and he finished on injury reserve the previous two years. This year, he was able to stay on the field, and what happened? And so you look at last year, you had a, a lousy weather game to open, but then you know you look at the Steelers game, but then he played a really good game against the Titans, And I really thought he was turning the corner. Then we find out a few days later that he has injured his shoulder. And we know what happened there. It became a a month of will he or won't he or will he or won't he. And then when they finally tried against the Colts, he wasn't ready. And then you had a little more of a delay for a couple weeks. And then the Cardinals game is when he returned. Obviously, that was a blowout game. But then the Ravens, the last we saw him, I mean, the guy had a broken bone in his shoulder and a high ankle sprain. He was 14 for 14 and led him to a comeback victory over arguably the best team in the AFC. And so you're looking at that. Obviously, then he shut down for the season. And so he never really got going, you know, and it was with the, I know a lot of it was his own fault, the way he played. You know, he took hits. He's got to learn to get out of bounds and and get rid of the ball and things like that. But he hadn't had a problem with that in the past. He played the same way. So I just think if if he plays the whole season, you know, he's going he's gonna to have a strong year. And yeah. especially when you see, you know, he didn't throw for 300 yards. Now, he really did against that Titans he finished right. with like 289, but they called uh, Amari Cooper for stepping out of bounds, and it would have been a 40-yard touchdown 
added mm-hmm. to his stat. So he would have had yeah. 329 yards in that game. But with that said, Flacco plays six games and he has five 300 passing games. So that showed the Browns, man, we can do that. Watson can do anything Flacco can do. He's got the arm. He's got everything plus mobility. And he has about 11 years younger. So I just think they're just trying to do make make this as easy of a transition as possible. I never really saw the offense that we were supposed to see get going, you know, right. with Watson. It was, but I I attribute it to the start stop start stop stuff. You know, right. he seems, and he talked about this. He said because there was a lot of question the first couple of weeks about why he's playing so poorly, and he said I have always started slow and I get better and better and better. Even in the years he led the NFL in in yardage. And mm-hmm. I went back and looked at it and he was absolutely right. His stats yeah. were terrible the first game or two. And then that was kind of with the Titans game. He started and it looked like, okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. And so he just really could never get going, you know, and I'm not making excuses for him, but I just think that he's just got to be able to stay on the field and avoid the injuries. Chris uh, in YouTube asked a follow-up question. He says, we are catering to Watson just to have him leave in two years. Do the Browns have a contingency plan? I don't think that that Watson contract is going to stay at just two more years. Do you, Fred? Uh, they're going to renegotiate it to get more cap room, and that's going to extend the contract, one would think. Um, do you agree with that, or do you think it's going to stay – with Watson being gone. Yeah, I don't think I, – I really believe them that they're not looking to move on from him. Now, if if you get three more years of this stuff, yeah, then maybe. But a franchise quarterback, does can you think of any that have left on their own yeah. volition? Right. Okay, right. Kirk Cousins won it out of Washington – they franchised him one or two years at least before they finally traded him. So I can guarantee you, even if Watson wants out of here, he's they would franchise him at least two years. And if somebody signs him, they get like two number ones and you know and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. no, I they said they looked at it as a 10-year plan. I mean, they got him when he was 26. They most quarterbacks are playing till their mid 30s now, right? And and I fully expect him to be here. I mean, even if he demands, or I mean, the Browns have went so far out of their way. I I would think if there's anybody has any loyalty, it would be in this case. But then again, maybe not. I think right. a lot depends. But I think they fully expect him to turn it on and play extremely well next season. We've got uh, just a couple of questions left. We're going to hit them real quick here. Uh, Drew in Brook City asks, how much are tickets to the Combine? I honestly don't know. I mean, uh, you can watch the uh, uh, most of it on the NFL Network nowadays. We go mostly for the interviews and chance to talk to the players, chance to talk to the coaches and the GM who have availability there. Um, but, uh, I don't even, I don't even know, Fred, I didn't even know it was all that available to, uh, uh, the fans if they wanted to attend. Do you know anything about that? It's it's online. No, I've never looked into it. There's a lot of them there since they NFL turned that into a marketing opportunity. And yeah. And so everything's an event now. Yep. Everything's an event. Um, Fumble 13 wants to know how, how long do you plan on covering the Browns? No, so I, I want to know that, Fred. I could take that. Everybody's looking for me to move on. <laughs> um, my family wants to know no, that no, too. No, no. My standard answer is I've waited this long. I know how good it was in the 80s. And I just think that if I hang around long enough, they will, they would get back to that level. You know, mm-hmm. the... Just And they just got to the AFC Championship, you know? And the Browns fans are living on the interest from that, you know? And so I know how good it'll be if they can get to the Super Bowl. And, right. I mean, I covered the Cavs those four years. And 
I was at that parade and I always said, you know, if the Browns ever get to this point, this parade would look small. And there was a million people there probably at least. So I, I really, you know, I thought maybe I would ride out on with, with a Super Bowl this year, the way the Flacco mania was going, it just seemed like everything was, wow, this is the most improbable thing. And, and here you go. But no, I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking I have a little more gas in the tank. There you go. There you go. That's what I wanted to hear. Impossible to replace a legend. Uh, one last comment. This comes from Plot Twist, aptly named. Our uh, uh, page numbers on the boards were down last month. This is what we need right here. Watson for Prescott. We need some controversy. We need some page views. There's no controversy right now, Fred. You know, everything's sort of humming along, you know, they're hiring the offensive coordinator, you know, there's no big controversy going around that we can argue about. We can argue about this. Deshaun Watson. Oh, you mean they're, they're acting like a stable organization? Yeah. They're acting like a stable organization. There's nothing to argue about, but we need something to argue about. We need more pages. Yeah. So let's advance. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that, but that's just me. You like winning stable organizations. Imagine that. Well, on that note, I think we are going to close up for the night. Uh, and thank you, as always, for all of your questions and comments and for hanging out with us uh, this uh, this evening. Uh, Fred and I will be back. Also, thank you to our sponsors, Scott Fillinger and Core Home Fitness. Thank you to Pete Smith for hanging out with us. And, of course, thank you to the legend, Fred Greenham for joining me here on Wednesday night, as he always does. And we will see you next Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We'll see you then. Good night, everybody. Thank you.